You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Love it. Okay. There's some more time after service. You can chat then too. That's good. Um, um, I love it. Like, like kids are like, we're out of here. We don't care what, if we're being dismissed or not. So there's, and uh, we know the timing. Yeah, so uh, no, it's great. And uh, really, really good to gather on this Palm Sunday. Um, really, really uh, fascinating thing. Uh, the, the text that Trenton read earlier um, we see again the palms in heaven as the believers are worshiping Christ, the risen Lord in heaven. And uh, one day soon we're going to be with him. We remember what he has done and what he's about to do uh, as we worship him this week. And I would just encourage you as families to really be intentional, to, 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 you know, to read together the events of this week together and, and, um, and really to take time to pray and, and thank God for his salvation and, and to you know, really focus on the fact that there are still lost people who need to be saved. And so as Pastor Michael challenged us, there's uh, some invitations, a table back here as well as in the foyer, just to invite unbelievers to come and to hear the good news. And um, we, this morning, are going to be continuing our study in Romans chapter 14. And uh, uh, we uh, are continually uh, coming out of uh, Romans chapter 12, and again, reminder of what, what, what should our response to be, be to the gospel. And that response is a life of worship. Uh, it is to be living sacrifices for him. It is to, to live a transformed life, not being conformed to the pattern of this world. And as I was thinking about the text again this week, how easy it is for us to be conformed to the pattern of this world when it comes to judging one another, looking down on one another, because you're not like me, so if you're not like me, then you must be below me. You know, no, not, not very often are we like, you know, um, looking up to one another. It's usually we, we want to somehow put one another down. And this text, I think, is really, really important for us as we think about Romans 14, and we're going to, really, this whole section, I think it's Romans 15, 13, where this ends. But this whole section is talking about unity in the church. It's continuing the, the pattern of what does genuine love look like in the church. So many different things that you and I could be divided over. Now, as a whole, we tend to be a church that's a truth church, right? You know what I mean? Like, we're heavy on the truth. You know, we got, what's the Bible say? You know, and, and that's really good, okay? I, I don't want to downplay that in any way. But, but for those of us who are that way, this, this text can be a little bit uncomfortable. You know, because um, Paul's saying on issues like food, maybe you don't want to eat the bacon. Maybe you do want to eat the bacon. Do it all to the glory of God. And, and there might be some of us here like, 
but, but the Bible says you can eat the bacon. You remember that whole Paul thing, you know, or Peter thing? Like, like we can eat the bacon, you know, so we want to convince everybody to eat the bacon. And what we're going to be going to push on is like, well, that's not the point. And, and the gospel is everything, but there's other things in our life that maybe we can disagree on and still be united. We don't have to divide over every little thing. The way we try to phrase this, think about this in our church family is, uh, if you were to go on our website, it says, our church operates on the following principles, on the major's conviction, on the minor's tolerance, in all things love. And this section of scripture, Romans chapter 14 and into 15, is going to highlight this. And, and it, it's going to suggest to us that that when it comes to the majors, we ought to really focus on those things. And we ought not to, to bend in any way. But when it comes to the minor things, we ought to have all kinds of grace and love for one another. And so this is going to be the, the focus this morning. And I, again, as we think about not being conformed to the pattern of this world, when it comes to judging one another, it's like a new leisure activity. Is it not? Like it's a leisure like. I don't know, I haven't slandered someone for a while. I guess I'll get on Twitter and uh, get on it, you know. I, I haven't spoke my truth into someone else's life whom I have no idea what's going on in their life. I guess I'll go on and, and do that right now. Like that's, that's, that's the pattern of this world, to tear down, to tear down, to tear. I mean, it really is the fabric of our society to, to deconstruct everything and everyone and if we're not careful, we can get caught up in that. And so I, I want us to just say, hey, Lord, we can have blinders. We can have blind spots in our life. And, and maybe we even make it sound good. Well, I'm, I'm telling them that because they need to know the truth. They need, you know, I, 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 I mean, I'm just trying to help them. But in your helping, as the text is going to show us, sometimes we're hurting and so we could have blind spots this morning. And so I want us just to pray right now. Ask God to help us. Help us to see, Lord, is there some blind spots in my life? Is there some sin in my life where I've been tearing down my brother or sister? And, and if that's the case, Lord, help me. Help me to repent. Help me to walk according to your word. So let's just pray for that now. God, we, we do thank you for this text that we're about to read this morning. We thank you that your truth is everlasting. The things that you had Paul write to the church in Rome 2,000 years ago is still very, very relevant to us today. Your truth is unchanging. And God, we would be quick to recognize this morning that it is easy for us to be conformed to this world. It is easy for us to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And God, we, we want to bring glory and honor to you in everything that we do, everything that we say, in our attitudes towards one another. And so God, if there be sin in us today, Lord, you convict us of it and help us to be quick to repent that we might walk in your ways, may that we might bring glory and honor to you in all ways. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will being done on this earth as it is in heaven. 
Lord, we want this church to reflect you in every possible way. So Lord, would you lead this preacher? Would you lead us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and just slip up your hand. Uh, Maybe you ran out of the house this morning, you forgot it. We just want to make sure everybody has the Word of God in front of them so we can turn together to Romans chapter 14. As we think about this idea of unity and the importance of it, uh, just to kind of frame where we're going this week, we're going to be looking at our attitudes. What kind of attitude should I have towards my fellow believer next week? We're going to, or sorry, not next week. We're going to be celebrating the resurrection. So we're, we're going to take a one-week break from Romans. And then as we come back again, we're going to be talking about the actions that a believer should have when we, we're striving for unity. And then we're going to be looking at what's the aim, right? Do you like that? Attitudes, actions, aim. Okay, three A's. You can remember that. Okay, triple A. There you go. So um, that's where we're going. So let me begin by reading the text, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then let each of us, sorry then, sorry then, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Three principles that shape our attitude of love even when we disagree with each other. Three principles that shape our attitude of love, even when we disagree with each other. First, we're both saved by the same grace. This is something that we need to remember as we, as we walk in life together in the body of Christ. We've both been saved by the same grace. When I disagree with, one, with my brother or sister, I need to remember that we're both saved by the same grace. He says this to begin with, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Now, there's been a whole lot written on this section of Scripture. As he begins, he's, going to be, he's addressing the strong believer, as we're going to see, as he's talking about what to do with the weak believer. As we studied Genesis, or sorry, uh, Romans 1 through 11, we've seen that there was a lot of uh, talk about Jews. This is what you're to do. Gentiles, this is what you're to do. And, and, and listen, we're all sinners. We're all saved by faith. 
We all have been given the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of focus on the fact that while we might have different backgrounds, we all have the same problem. We all have a sin problem. We all need Christ's salvation. We need his justification, his sanctification, his glorification. We need, all need the same thing. But in a culture where you have different backgrounds, you can have differing problems. And so I think probably what we're, we're dealing with here, when we're talking about the weak brother, as we talk about food and, and days, we're probably dealing with Jewish believers versus Gentile believers. A Gentile believer grew up eating whatever they wanted, right? Like there was no laws as to what to eat and what not to eat. Whereas a Jewish believer, uh, someone who had, had, had believed in the law, believed in Yahweh, had grown up under the law of God. And there's a big section in Leviticus, you probably all have it memorized, right? On food laws, right? I'm being a little facetious there, right? But there were these food laws where this is unclean food, this is clean food. This is how you are to prepare it. This is how you're to eat it. This is, there was a lot of instruction on food. And if I'm a believer now who grew up with these food laws, I may have problems getting rid of the food laws. And this is what we are dealing with here, I think, as we look at the context. So, Paul, addressing the Romans, says, as for the one who is weak in faith. Now, they're not weak in faith in, in that they're, you know, they're, they're sinning all the time, and you know, they're just, you know, they're trying to live for God, but they just keep sinning. No, they're, where they're weak is in their liberty. They, 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 they cannot fully accept that what, what God had said in the New Testament, that all foods are now clean. Now, when we think about weak versus strong believers, I mean, even, even when it comes to the Jewish people, even Peter had an issue here, right? Peter's like, really? All foods are clean? Are you sure? And, and, and he started to embrace it. He started to accept it. But then when the Judaizers would come along, he was like, oh, I can't, I can't eat with them. I can't eat with the Gentiles now. I've got to separate myself. And he became a hypocrite. And then you look at Galatians 2, 11 through 14, Paul is like, Peter, what are you doing? And he called them out on it. So, so this was a problem in the early church. We need to understand that. We got our own problems, Right? We have our own problems. Yes, we have our own problems. Okay, but this was a big problem then when it came to can I eat certain foods or not eat certain foods? And so these people, their conscience does not allow them to eat bacon, right? For example, pork was not allowed for a Jew. So they're wrestling with this. So what, what is the job then of the strong believer? to convince them to eat bacon. Is that what it says here? No, 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 you must eat bacon, it's really good. You know, you gotta, no, that's, it says welcome him. That's what they're to do. The, the person who was weak there to be welcomed. What does that mean to be welcomed? It means to welcome into one's fellowship and into one's heart. It implies the warmth and kindness of genuine love. In other words, I don't treat you any differently because you don't eat bacon than if you did eat bacon. I love you. I accept you as a, as a brother, as a sister in the Lord. I, 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 I don't treat you any differently, even though we might disagree on what to eat for supper. This is the point. 
You should love, care for them. What you're not to do, he says this, is to quarrel over opinions. Like every time you get together, what you, what you should, the, the conversation that should not get to food. All right? Okay. I, I've been working on Pete for a while. I think I'm starting to win him over, you know. He almost had a BLT the other day, but then he just had the LT. And so, but we're getting there. And, you know, we're, we're, we just got to keep, I just got to keep working on him. And, and then the other guy, the vegetarian guy is just like, I mean, he's messed up. I, I don't know that, I, I, I'm, I, I know he's saved. I, I understand that part, but I, like, he's not doing too well because he does eat pork. Like, do you see the problem, what was going on here? And he's like, don't quarrel over those things. Like, don't even talk about them. Is that easy for you and I to do? So this, this text is really challenging, um, really hard for us to, like, to say, okay, yeah, like, I don't have to convince them on that. And he's going to tell us why in, in, in giving us three different theological principles in just a moment, but, but he's setting the, 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 the standard here. When it comes to minor issues, don't, don't try to convince one another. Don't, don't, don't argue about these things. He gives the example. Here's the example. One person believes he may eat anything while the other person only eats vegetables. And I've already uh, kind of set the stage for this. The Jewish believers uh, thought uh, that, that it was, was still wrong to eat certain kinds of food. Now, you're like, well, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I kind of know the Levitical laws. Why were they just eating veggies? They probably were doing what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in the sense that they were like, we can't trust that any of these, this food is actually kosher. When I go down to my local you know, superstore to grab the food, I'm not sure if they actually slaughtered the food uh, in the way that they ought to. I'm not sure of any of that. So to be safe, I'm only going to eat veggies. That's probably why they're only eating vegetables at this point. And, and they believe that it is the right thing for believers to do. They're convinced of it. And while the other side is, is saying that we can eat anything. It doesn't matter, right? And, and so there's this wrestling going on between the two groups. So we know that in 2022, the right thing would be to do what? Start two different churches right? The Vegetable Baptist Church and the Bacon Baptist Church. So those are the, the two different churches now, and we can just divide over that, and we can be happy in our own congregations, and we won't have anybody. Like, is that what the text is saying? No, it's not saying that. We need to welcome one another. That should be not something we would ever divide over. We, we should be coming together and now he deals with their attitudes. Let not the one who despise, eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. And so we see, and it's not hard for us to, okay, if we're going to kind of put it in today's terms. You know, it's not vegetarian and eat everything. It is liberal and legalist, Right? The, 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 the liberal person, we would say they, they feel like they can just do about just about anything, right, as a believer, and we have freedom in Christ, and, 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 and he, he sometimes maybe is getting a little too close to the line, you know, 
As those of us who maybe be more a little bit more legalistic, you're like, okay, like that guy's getting a little too close to the line. And then the legalists are like, we're going we're gonna to be like a thousand miles away from that edge, and we are actually more holy than that guy. Because of all that we do, right? Like clearly the scriptures say that your hair should not be below the collar. And if it is, then I don't know if that person, I mean, I guess they're saved still, but I'm not really sure if, like, where they're really at with God. Like, do we, so we are starting to see the two different sides here? Okay, so the one who eats despises the one who disdains. So this is the attitude of, of, the, of, of the person who eats everything towards the person who doesn't eat. They're, they're, they're condescending, right? I like the way Moot puts it like this. Despise connotes a disdainful, condescending judgment, an attitude that we can well imagine the strong majority who prided themselves on their enlightened liberal perspective, taking toward those whom they considered to be foolishly hung up on the trivia of a bygone era. Right? Like, live a little. (laughs) Seriously. Once you tasted bacon, you're never going back. It's amazing, right? And, 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 and didn't, God, didn't God say that we could eat everything now? And like, like we should just, you know, it's okay. And, and I do think when we talk about, I mean, now, like, to be fair, Paul does call them the weak believer. I think the indication here is that they're, they're, the hope would be, the understanding would be, is that as the person grows in their understanding in their faith and understanding of the word, maybe on their own at some point, they would actually get to the point where they're like, yeah, actually, it doesn't really matter what we eat. They still might choose not to, but, but you know, to not cause their brother to stumble who eats veggies, or only veggies, I don't know, whatever, right? But, but do, you, do you see the difference here? We're not, we're not to look down on someone who would have those kinds of convictions. They, they may take time before they would come to the same kind of understanding as you, and you are being unloving if you try to make them believe what you believe. We all grow at different rates. And in this particular context, the Gentiles never had that burden of the food laws. Like, they have no idea what what kind of like psychological, you know, things that were going on. Like when you kind of get into a pattern of life, you, you, it changes you, right? Like is anyone like, every time you go into a store or restaurant now, feel like, I feel like I'm forgetting something. I mean, for two years, we had to have a mask on every time we went in somewhere and it started becoming a pattern of life. And you're kind of like, oh, is it okay if I do this or not? So, so, I mean, we, I think we can somewhat understand someone who had grown up is 30, 40 years old and, and has had this pattern of living that it would take a while for them to understand there is freedom in Christ to eat what we want. And Paul's saying you should give them all kinds of grace. Then there's the other guy. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. I mean, he can kind of be, you know, one of these kind of guys, like, you know, buttoned up kind of guys and looking down his nose at the bacon eater, right? Like, how dare he? How dare he? He's, he's below what we ought to be as holy people of God. And he's wrong too. This is the point that Paul is saying. Not, not just the weak brother isn't wrong, but, but the strong is wrong as well. When they 
have an attitude towards one another like that. And, and think that, that you actually should divide over such things. He's saying, that, that, that don't argue about these things. Welcome one another. And why should we welcome them? What does it say? What are the last five words of the, or the uh, verse 3? For God has welcomed them. For God has welcomed him. Now, I don't know what your backgrounds have been. Both, both, the, both my Bible college I went to and, my, um, and the seminary I went to tend to be more on the legalistic side of things, right? Uh, I remember when I went to Bible college, like, it was like, like it was for real. You couldn't have your hair below your collar. Like that was just a rule. You could not go to movie theaters. Um, when I went to seminary, we know that a tie is next to godliness, so you have to have a tie on everywhere, you know, every class there was a tie. Like there was certain dress codes expected, and, and it is so easy for us to, st- to start looking down on one another over things like length of hair, things like with the clothes we wear, our musical preferences, what we do for entertainment. Like there's, there's no end of list of things where we can look down on one another if someone doesn't feel or think exactly the way that we feel or think. But it's saying here that we ought to accept one another, unless it's sin. Like, we're all on the same page here, right? If there's sin, like, for sure, out of your love for your brother or sister, you go to them. But if it's like, I don't see cards in the Bible. Uh, Is it okay or not okay to play cards? Uh, Do what you want. But stop trying to convince the other person on the other side of things, to do what you're doing, right? So why? For God has welcomed him. Like, isn't that, isn't that the standard? If, and this, by the way, the word for welcome here is exactly the same word he used in verse 1. If God has, loves them, has welcomed them into his family, why would you not welcome him into your family? This is the standard. This is the challenge for you and I to be thinking about this morning? All right, they got long hair. Is, are they in the family of God or not? They, have, they got a tattoo. They, they smoked a cigar last month. They, I mean, you name your thing, right? We're starting to get, <laughs> starting to tread on water. So, what, like, like, like whatever. They, they, they did something that you would not normally do. The question is, are they in the family of God? If they're in the family of God, then you welcome them. How is it that we get into the family of God? Let's just make sure that we're all on the same page here. How is it that I get in to, to be welcomed into his presence? Well, it begins by me first recognizing that I am a sinner. By recognizing that, that my sins deserve judgment. That's the beginning and even coming to the point where I might be in despair over such a thing. But then hearing the gospel, hearing the good news, that though I have sinned against a holy God, he has sent his son to die in my place. That while he hung on the cross, he took my wrath, he took my punishment that was due me, and instead has given me his righteousness. And all who come to him in faith, all who come to him and repent of their sin, are welcomed into his kingdom, are welcomed into the family of God. And I pray that everyone here this morning can say, that's me. 
Um, I have been welcomed by him because I have repented of my sin and placed my trust in him. But I want you to know that today, if you have not yet done that, you can do that even today. And it's his grace and his mercy towards you that welcomes you into his family. It's not due to anything that we have done. All of us here have been saved by grace and grace alone. So when it comes to our differences, we ought to be showing grace to one another. This is what the Word of God calls us to do. If someone is a brother or sister in Christ, then we should not argue over opinions. But rather, God calls us to welcome one another. This is the standard. Are they in the body of Christ or not? If they're in the body of Christ, we do not argue over such issues. We welcome them. Stott puts it this way. The best way to determine what our attitude toward other people should be is to determine what's God's attitude towards them. This principle is even better than the golden rule. It is safe to treat others as we should as we would like them to treat us, but it is safer still to treat them as God does. Isn't that great? Treat them as God does. It should be our standard. Many, many differences in the church of God around the world, right? One of the, one of the I, I, while I was at seminary, there was a, a conference that had started. It was called Together for the Gospel. Right? And it's, they're having their last one here in a couple of weeks. But what I loved about the heart of it, I remember MacArthur talking about it and saying, like, ironically, we couldn't be members in each other's churches because of what we believe about things like baptism and gifts of the Spirit and different things like that. But surely we can come together around the gospel. I mean, really, it's the heart of this text. And when you think about our the church down the road, and, 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 and before we are quick to start casting stones, we should stop and ask ourselves, are they in the family of God? If they are, maybe they, maybe they have a different view on baptism, and we can be fully convinced on our view, and, and I, I would not change it ever <laughs> at this point. I think at 50, I'm probably past changing on that viewpoint, but, you know, maybe not so much end times. I'm still working on that one, but but we can differ on those things and still come together and welcome one another and love one another and embrace one another even though we might differ on those things. This should be the heart of the believer. This should be our attitude towards one another. Unless a brother or sister is walking in known sin, we ought to be welcoming to them. And maybe just a word on that, when it comes to rebuking that brother or sister, what does the Bible tell us about that? We do so in gentleness, Galatians chapter 6. We, we Philippians 2, we, we think of others more important than ourselves. It's never coming at them as we're superior. It's always coming from a humble, gentle approach because we care for them. This should be our attitude. This should be our care for one another. So three principles that shape our attitude of love even when we disagree with each other. First, remember that we're both saved by the same grace. Secondly, remember we're both serving the same Lord. We're, we're both serving the same Lord. He begins by saying, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Again, culturally, contextually, this is maybe a little bit of a stretch for us. We're like, 
Servants, masters, what does that mean? Well, obviously in this culture, there were a lot of people who had servants. There were a lot of people who were masters in this culture. And so he's just using this illustration to say, how ridiculous would it be for you to speak to someone else's servant? And the application is, is that we are servants of Christ. You and I are servants of Christ. It's all through the New Testament. Doulos is the Greek word that is used. He is our Lord. He is our master. We are his servants. We have been freed from our old master, our old Lord, through the redemption of Jesus Christ. We have been freed, and now we are free to live for him. And so he says this, it is before his own master that he stands or falls. In other words, Christ will determine whether you or not you are walking in a way that is pleasing to him. It's not up to Bob to tell you whether or not that's true. It's not up to Bob's standards, it's up to Christ's standards as to whether or not he will stand or fall. And let note here, it says, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. What a great reminder, again, that as his people, if you are a child of God, he who began the good work in you will complete it. Philippians 1, verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So if you are truly a servant of Christ, we can take confidence in the fact that as we keep our eyes upon him and, and seek to please him, he will carry us through to the end. He gives another illustration of how we might differ. Verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Again, this is probably to do with Jewish culture versus a Gentile culture. So the Jewish culture would be Sabbath, really important. We're not to do anything on the Sabbath. And of course, the Pharisees took that to a whole new level in their time. Could be to do with festivals, days of fasting. There'd be be different things that they would have been convinced on as Jewish believers. The Gentiles, however, had, again, didn't have that grid. So what to do about these convictions that the Jews had versus the Gentiles? Well, he said... Believe what you want in these regards, and then what? But let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. On these disputable matters, when it comes to your conscience, you must be able to do this with a clear conscience. If you can't, then let no other person convince you. Why? Because then you are hardening your conscience, and that's a really bad thing for a person to do. So you should be fully convinced that what I am doing is okay. Think of all the different examples that we could go through today. Okay to have a tattoo, not okay to have a tattoo. Okay to have a drink, not okay to have a drink. Okay to have a cigar, not okay to have a cigar. Not, you know, like whatever, right? The, the, the list just goes on and on and on and on. But whatever your conviction is, you should be fully convinced because anything that you do not from that is sin. So you should be fully convinced in your own mind. 
Now, here's what's interesting. He says in verse 6, the one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Guess what? The goal of each one is the same. They're trying to bring glory and honor to the Lord through their actions. And Paul is saying, you can do that and be different. Your heart is where it really matters. If you are abstaining, if you are using a certain day to honor the Lord, then praise God. And if you eat whatever you want and you don't see any day as more important than another, then do it all for the glory of God. This is what every believer should do, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3, 17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is the goal of every believer, to bring glory and honor to God, to give thanks to God. Is that your goal every morning when you wake up? God, I just want to bring honor and glory to your name. I want to give thanks to you for all that you've done. Lord, I'm yours. And then live accordingly. He says this, for none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. The, the whole point of what he's saying here is we don't live for ourselves. We've been purchased by the King of kings and Lord of lords. Our lives are his. Do you believe that this morning? Are you living accordingly? That your life is not your own. It's his. And so whatever we do, we do for him. And even we want to die well, is what he's saying here. Even in our death, we want to bring honor and glory to him. And then he, and then he changes, changes the, the wording here, right? So then whether we, die, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. While we're here, we live to the Lord. And when we die, we are the Lord's. So whether we're here or there, we are the Lord's. Romans chapter 8 reminded us that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We are always His. And so we want to live in honor and glory for Him. This is the very opposite of what the world lives for. Remember back in Romans 121, talking about the unbeliever? It says in Romans 121, for all they Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. It's the antithesis of a believer. The unbeliever gives no honor to God and gives no thanks to him. The believer, that is their life's goal, to bring honor and glory to him. For everything we have is his. What do we have that he has not given us? And it was we... As we, as we come to acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior and Creator, everything that we have is his. And then he says this, For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. As we enter this week of celebrating his actions 2,000 years ago on the cross, it is very fitting that this text 
would be here. Why did Christ die? There's a lot of people that like him as their savior, right? I like the fire insurance. I like the fact that I could have some confidence that at the end of my life that I wouldn't go to hell. I like that. I do understand that I'm not a good person. I do understand that I'm a sinner. And so I have accepted him as my savior. How many times have we heard people speak like that? But if you were to examine their lives, they are their own master. They live to themselves. He is not the Lord of their lives. But the reason came, Jesus came is not just to be your Savior. He came that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. He deserves our worship. He deserves our everything every day. We need not live for ourselves anymore, but for him. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.15, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. As believers, that is our focus each and every day. We now live for him. This theological reality of who Jesus is that he is our Lord, that he is, he is Lord both of the living and the dead, should motivate us to no longer judge one another. There's two applications. For myself, I need to live for him each and every day. And then secondly, I need to stop judging Sheldon for his actions, right? It's not my job. I'm not his master, right? His master is the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop puts it like this. Because he is our Lord, we must live for him. Because he, he is also the Lord of our fellow Christians, we must respect their relationship to him and mind our own business. Let's put it bluntly. For he died and rose to be Lord. But, 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 I hear, I hear you, right? Is that, is that what you're thinking? But, 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 okay, yes, again, I'll circle it back. If, if my brother is in sin, I should go to him in gentleness and love and say, brother, please repent. But when it comes to this myriad of other things, let us remember that they're going they are the, the servant of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they don't have to, if they're, if they're doing what they're doing out of, out of praise and honor and worship to him, they don't have to be doing the same thing that I'm doing. Again, this is some tough wrestling, but this is what the scriptures teach us. Three principles that shape our attitude of love even when we disagree with each other. We're both saved by the same grace. We're both serving the same Lord. Lastly, we're both, we'll both stand before the same judge. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? He's going back to the same wording he used in verse 3. Right? The, 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 the veggie man looking down in judgment on the bacon eater. 
and then the bacon eater despising the veggie person. I mean, that's, what, that's the wording he's using here. Why are you doing that? And I love what he points out here. Brother, your brother. Do you not see that we're family? We're family. Why are you judging? We're all in this together. So why are you looking down on them? Why are you judging them? Why do you have an attitude that, 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 that they're not like, they're, they're, they're not as good as you, ultimately? This ought not to be. Why? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. He's already implied this in these earlier verses when he said that the Lord will enable his servant to stand. There is a judgment day coming for every single person. Every one of us, one day, we will stand before the Lord Jesus and we will give an account of ourselves. Sometimes, if we're being honest, we live our lives as if we are going to give an account to one another. It's not true. So, we live our lives in such a way that I will please my brother or sister. Okay, when I'm around them, I got to be like this. So they'll think I'm a really good person. So I, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to change my actions based on who I'm around. Because their judgment of me is really, really important. Is that true? Nope. They're not your judge. You have one judge. And if you keep your eyes on him, then guess what? Your actions towards your brother and sister will be right. <laughs> right? You don't have to be like, well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta you know, you know what, what's Mike gonna think? I gotta worry about that. And I gotta worry about what Jesus thinks. Nope. I just need to worry about what Jesus thinks and I will be the brother I ought to be towards Mike. We will all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ someday. That's, that's a sobering thought. It should be a sobering thought for every one of us. He knows everything. He knows your thoughts. He knows your actions. He knows your words, even when you're the only person in the vehicle. He knows everything about you. And we will give an account before him. It says this, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Every person. The guy who right now is like, I, you know, he's cursing God every chance he gets. I would never bow before him. I'm, you know, I don't even think he exists, but I'm not going to bow before him someday. I mean, it's like a little bit of. You know that there's a God, but you don't want to admit it, like Romans 1, right? But, but every person, whether you believe or not, 
will stand before him, every single person. So that guy who, who, who's, who's, who's running rampant after his sin and the Apostle Paul, we will all stand before him. It doesn't matter who you are, you will stand before him and you will, it says here, give an account of yourself to him. What will that look like? 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We'll all give an account of what we've done with our time, what we've said, what we've done, what we thought. Of course, we know we will have Christ we will point to him, but we will still give an account, it says in 2 Corinthians 5. Even as believers, we'll give an account for the works that we have done. Sometimes we, we, we take on this thing, well, well, I'm saved, so, you know, I'll be good. You, you want to be in a place where you, 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 you've done all that you could do as you, as you live for him in this life on that judgment day. Trust me, you're not going to want to be like, I just kind of Got by the skin of my teeth. It is going to be an awe-inspiring day, and we will bow before him with every other person on this earth. We will bow before him as Lord, as the right, just judge, and then he will make his declaration, and we will receive what we are owed. Without Christ, eternal damnation with Christ, you'll receive works, you'll receive, not works, you'll receive blessings based on your works. So, part of the application of this would be, when it comes to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, I need to stop judging them. I need to stop looking down on them if they have a difference of opinion on things than me. I need to love them. I need to welcome them. I need to embrace them as if they believed everything exactly the same as me. When a brother is weak, I, I need not look down at them. I need to encourage them and strengthen them and, and hope that one day they will have the freedom that Christ wants them to have. But it's not my job to convince them. It's the Spirit's job to change that, not my job. Three principles that shape our attitude of love even when we disagree with each other. We're both saved by the same grace. We're both serving the same Lord. We're both, we'll both stand before the same judge. We are on equal footing. And so we ought to love one another rightly. I just want to end with uh, quoting from Boyce. He was talking about Spurgeon. Spurgeon was one of those guys who um, he knew how to ruffle feathers, right? <laughs> In a good way sometimes. He said, Charles Spurgeon, Boyce says this about him, Charles Spurgeon was, was the greatest preacher of his age, but he was frequently criticized for being funny, all right? We all know that that's not biblical. You shouldn't be funny. That's what a lot of people thought. When one woman objected to the humor he inserted into his sermon, Spurgeon told her, Madam, you would think it a great deal better with me if you knew the funny things I kept out. Right? 
Spurgeon was a character. A young man asked what he should do about a box of cigars he had been given. Spurgeon solved his problem. Give them to me, he said, and I will smoke them to the glory of God. (laughs) He obviously had a conviction on that that he was okay with that. On another occasion, Spurgeon was criticized for traveling to meetings in a first-class railway carriage. His antagonist said, Mr. Spurgeon, what are you doing up here? I am riding back there in the third-class carriage, taking care of the Lord's money. Spurgeon replied, and I am up here in the first-class carriage, taking care of the Lord's servant. Boyce's point is this, let's stop dumping on one another and let's allow God to deal with each of his servants how, when, and as kindly as he will. And while we are at it, let's be thankful that he has dealt as kindly as he has with us, for if he had not, we would all be in deep trouble. It's a good word. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we are so thankful for your grace, for your mercy towards us. Lord, may we be known as a people full of grace and mercy towards one another. God, it is so easy for us to be judgmental of one another. It's so easy for us to tear one another down. And God, it's wrong. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. You've shown us clearly in your word today. God, I pray that by the power of your spirit that you would help us to live in such a way that we would bring honor and glory to you through our words and actions towards one another. God, help us to be loving. Help us to welcome one another as you have welcomed us. Lord, may there be no division over us on on these disputable matters. But God, let us love even when we might disagree. It's okay. Let us keep the major things the major things. Lord, that, that as people look at us, they would see our love for one another and they would see that it is set apart from this world. And that, God, you might be glorified, that, that, that they might be attracted to you and come to faith in you. God, help us to live in a way that would bring honor and glory to you in every way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.